It's been a while, Stained, but let's open the show with some celebrity deaths. Oh, I know. <laughs> and if you're, if you, if you lost the coin toss on Roy and Siegfried, uh, the best strategy would be to not die when on the same weekend that a rock icon also dies. And Whoa. then nobody will remember that you died. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, not that you can control that. No, uh, no, uh, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, Siegfried and Roy's Roy. Yeah. Uh, specifically, Roy Horn uh, has passed away. Okay. And um, he was, um, you know, 75. He was old. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's too bad. He was also the guy that was um, was attacked by their tiger. Okay, sure. Um, yeah. Which effectively ended their their act. Right, right. Uh, I wonder with all this business of the Tiger King, if like their act, if they were to if they were to have gone back to start doing it, would have seen a renewal. Try this. Of interest. Maybe Tiger King is only popular because. We have basically, I'm sure it's, there's tigers and animals performing somewhere, but in the public yeah. consciousness, we all kind of understand that that's a bad thing. Yeah. When, right. you know, you do it for however many years and you think you're safe and then you get your face ripped off by a fucking tiger. I know. I know. Uh, and Did so, he recover from that, like, at all? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, they didn't really go back to performing. I think they did like one charity performance or something like that mm-hmm. after that, but they were pretty much done. Um, and so we can enjoy Tiger King knowing that we're supposed to feel bad and these people are terrible uh, and they'll never financially recover from this. But we're just going to double down now. <laughs> we got the Nicolas Cage show coming out and everybody's like, oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Is that good casting? And I'm like, have you seen Primal? <laughs> I, I The direct-to-video film yeah. where he plays a, an exotic animal owner who yeah, must uh, right. chase down one of his own uh, animals. Like, uh, Plus, have you just seen Like Nick Under Cage? Siege? <laughs> Like, Under siege with a cougar. Yeah, right. Like, have you just seen Nick Cage being Nick Cage? Like, um, I think it's a it's really good casting. Yeah. Um, I have uh, uh, we have uh, our friend friend of the show. Uh, Talking uh, in the microphone. Okay, we have a friend 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 of the show, music guru Tara, is a huge fan of both Nick Cage and Tiger King. And I was talking to her about it, seeing what her take was, and she said she's just super excited to see him in the hair because it's going to be ridiculous. Well, um, why isn't m- music guru Tara on our show to talk about the death of Little Richard? Oh, uh, I don't know. The architect of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Right. The innovator, as he was known. Yes. A guy who you can't even, his Wikipedia page is as long as your leg. Uh yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I know what you mean. a guy with, you know, a million albums and, you know, had made TV and movie appearances. Yeah. Uh, known for his uh, his style and his personality as much as his Absolutely. blistering uh, rock tracks. Mm-hmm. And a guy who he <laughs> he inspired so many bands that went on then to inspire bands. And then depending yeah. on what year it yeah, is, yeah, yeah. bands beyond that. So he is like the great granddaddy. Of rock and roll. Yep. And we talked about this on uh, co-videos, I think. But it's yes. just, there's there's like, if you think about like um, like an Adam and Eve or like a original Six Avengers or something like that, you know, whatever your metaphor is of people that got this whole rock rolling. Yes. Uh, he is one of the big ones. Absolutely. And 
you know, if Robert Johnson is Robert Johnson is the Loki, there you go. Robert Johnson's the Loki who uh-huh. got the Rock Avengers together. Uh-huh. Are you writing this down? I'm not writing this down. And uh, <laughs> and then it all you know spins off into um, I don't know. Um, East Coast Gilgamesh Avengers. is uh, <laughs> is uh, Stephen uh, Stephen Tyler or <laughs> I don't know. Right. <laughs> what's, right. What's what's the most recent? Well, the most recent Avengers is just Spider Man and Wolverine are Avengers. Sure. So I don't know how that works. But I don't either. But yeah, I know. That's when you have like country come over. Like uh, Conway Twitty is like doing a rock song. Right. Well, I was thinking like Great Lake Avengers or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's when Sum Forty One is the Great Lakes Avengers. Right. 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 Yes. Exactly. Nice one. Yeah, yeah. Um, name a Sum 41 song. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. We gotta, we're just, uh, we got to write this <laughs> on the air. Does this look infected? Whoa, that's that's one of their songs? Yes. I, I don't even remember. All Killer, No Filler. Okay. Uh, underclass Hero. Uh, sure. Great that, Lakes, that, that Great sounds, Lakes Hero. That sounds like a good one. Underclass Hero. I'm going to go with that Fake one. My Own Death. That's kind of meta because, you know, they have uh, Mr. Immortal and, uh, sure. and the Great Lakes Avengers and he can't die. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, this will all get done off the air, I suppose. I guess. Uh, but yeah, R.I.P. to Little Richard and assuming that we don't get yanked off of YouTube, maybe we'll try to sprinkle some of his uh, amazing yeah. I uh, mean, music in this. Just speaking of some uh, other 41. rock legends who've been inspired by him, I know Elton John cited him as one of his big inspirations. And it, so Yeah, it's so deep. Well, yeah, the Beatles. Like all right. the Beatles' early stuff, like the Berlin days and stuff, like they were just doing Little Richard, basically. They yeah. were just ripping them off. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was listening to, or I was thinking about... Um, uh, CCR, Creedence Clearwater Revival the other day. Okay. Like Roots Rock, you'd think like the farthest thing. Yeah, you know, that they're also doing, you know, black people music basically. But sure. uh, something like uh, playing in a traveling band is just a Little Richard song, mm-hmm. you know. I'm playing in a traveling band. Right, right, Woo! right. You know, right. It's just like, it, that's just all it is. All the Beatle woos, and it's just Little sure. Richard, you know? Yeah, and then you take I... everybody who was inspired by CCR, which is, I don't know, Sweetwater or whatever country blues or uh, roots rock things we have now. I mean, mm-hmm. it all just goes back to, yeah. So anyway. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, one of the greats. Yeah. And then one of the um, kind of unknown greats, uh, soul singer Betty White, excuse me, Bright, has died oh. at uh, 66 as okay. well. Yeah, you okay. got scared there for a second. <laughs> all right, I mean, all right. It, nobody should make right. a joke about somebody's death. <laughs> well, it's, it's fungible, I guess. But uh, yeah, a lot of people are like, Betty Wright. Oh, I mean, oh. Oh, <laughs> it's not something to be. Who was a Grammy-winning uh, vocalist, sure. uh, sang songs like uh, Clean Up Woman, Tonight's the Night, and Girls Can't Do What the Guys Do. And was somebody who I don't think would necessarily her her name wouldn't um, pop up uh, when you think of the Aretha Franklins sure. and uh, so on and so forth, but who's sort of like quietly a really strong um, soul singer and somebody whose work was discovered by a lot of modern artists um, in sampling. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, taking like uh, sort of you know beats and tracks. Um, a lot of different rappers, uh, B.I.G. and Chance, and a lot of guys like used her okay. um, soul as uh, samples. Sure. Okay. And she was also a background singer for a lot of different acts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, it's I, I don't know. It's always depressing when we go over the deaths. Just it's just the way. But we led with yeah. Roy to be respectful. So <laughs> anyway, R.I.P. to all three. Yes. Um, not COVID. Uh, <laughs> not COVID. As far yeah. as I can tell. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, uh, they'll be missed. Uh, but we've got to move on. Mm. We have to do what we came here to do. Yep. To do the Just Enough Trope podcast. I'm your host, Caliban, joined as always by my co-host. Hi, I'm Mika Hanna. And we're here to give you all the news that's fit to cast in the world of nerdy entertainment. And that is for real this week because we are doing a news blast patented TM <laughs> CR because we are doing the news. There's a lot of news to talk about here as the world and Hollywood and the music industry and TV all are opening up uh, as the restrictions are starting to starting to lift here and there. Mm-hmm. We're getting more information about stuff that is coming out. So I think that's good news. And we're going to report on some of that good news. Hopefully it's mostly good news. Yes, hopefully. Also, it's Cartoonapalooza. Oh, boy. <laughs> we got some cartoons to talk about. Yeah. Brick and Morty has finally returned to complete the second half of its fourth season. Mm-hmm. Is it fourth? Ah. Uh, I think so. I'm good so. at this. I think so. Um, I'm also good at this. Yes. And uh, we want to talk about that. And we also want to talk about the release on Netflix of the new show, Ghost in the Shell. Let me see if I can get this right. Ghost in the Shell, uh, SAC, uh, SLC Punk, Whoa. Uh, ST, SUV, SD. Ghost in the Shell, SAC, <laughs> underscore 2045. The new entry. Why didn't the, you get that right away? <laughs> the Ghost I... in the Shell <laughs> franchise. Uh, we've uh, we've examined a lot of greased butts uh, on this show. Uh, longtime fans of the Ghost in the Shell franchise, yeah. be it manga or what have you, and so we're here to talk about the new entry in the franchise. What's up mm-hmm. with you? Well, what's up with me? She's always paying attention. Uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that is absolutely it, not true. You don't you don't think so? No, you have a lot going on. I do? You have three different podcasts on the air. Oh, I guess. And nothing to talk about? Um uh Sailor Noob is going well. Um we've been doing our, our co videos. We just posted number eleven. Uh we talked about Streets of Fire and uh the odd couple and uh, an odd I, couple itself. Yeah, it is. <laughs> And uh, I, the streets of fire. I was going through my. <laughs> that was my Walter Matthau <laughs> singing streets of fire. I, very nice. I, I was your combination of the two. Stand out for the streets, Felix. They're <laughs> on fire. Um, and uh, I was going over my list again and realized that I had the odd couple listed on there twice. So yeah, I don't trust this go. list of yours. Uh, it invalidates all the roles that we've made previously that there's two things on there. Well, and the birds was on there twice for some reason too, but, uh, I fixed that. This is what so, I have to deal with. Um, that's all fixed. Yeah. Um, in, I, I, classic picks i think both of them uh, in their own way um but we were kind of you know let down by both of them in in, in some ways that's oversimplifying comedy it, but... ages poorly you think so I, I i think so um, i mean i thought sullivan's travels for when it came out is actually still pretty funny yeah and you could do but i don't maybe know maybe it's because it's slapstick maybe i you could do i don't know if you like uh, plus you know the stage is different than the screen and yep. it's a play right um even on screen it's a play yep if you took something like 
if you tried to do like a don't don't do this, but if you tried to do like a twentieth twenty first century version of um, duck soup or something like that, mm. I don't know if it'd work. Now you know, as oh wait, duck soup was never a stage show, was it? Let's say the coconuts or something. Mm-hmm. If you took the coconuts and you did it on stage now in twenty twenty, it would kill. It would still kill. Mm-hmm. But if you did a film version of it, I don't know. Maybe it would. Maybe it wouldn't. Um, I mean, but, do you think a lot of the Marx Brothers films, do you think any of them are really redoable? Because just because of like how much those actors embodied those roles, do you think anybody can be recast and, and, and fill those shoes that are, I, I think, pretty big? Well, uh, I, I think it's unlikely, but I do think that you could just, you know, play that you would just be playing those roles. Right? You would just be playing Groucho as... Yeah, okay. Yeah, you would just, right. not only would you be playing Rufus T. Firefly or whoever it is, you'd also mm-hmm. be playing, uh, yeah, whatever the... Okay, You'd be I playing gotcha. uh, Groucho Curly, Irmo, or Groucho, yeah. Okay. You'd have to. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you can't imagine doing the coconuts and it's like, now, let's get into this character's head here. Like, what is he <laughs> What is he really feeling when he is clipping everything with scissors and then no. putting it in his pocket? No. <laughs> I don't think that's what's going on. Okay, all right. Well, anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, so, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like, mm-hmm. we've never seen a sweet charity movie <laughs> that's worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sweet charity play doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is going on? Didn't, uh, didn't uh, what's his name? Um, was Sean William Scott? Nope. Philip Randall Scott? No. I don't, I don't Randolph know. Scott? Who's the guy? Who's uh, Claudio from Much Ado About Nothing? And he's uh, Wilson on House. And oh, what is his name? What is his name? What is his name? Didn't he do a, say that three times. a chapter two? And and then they did a, a Sean Leonard Scott. Sean Leonard Scott. That's yeah. it. Well, I was really close. Um, and they did like the Goodbye Girl, and they did like a TV version of like Laughter on the Twenty Third Floor. And of mm. course, you've got Brighton Beach Memoirs and Bluxy Blues. And I just feel like all these things, it, the the more they shed their stage roots like the more successful they are as films Mm, mm, mm. you know even simon himself just started writing screenplays after a while sure right 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 so i don't know i don't want to take a crap on the odd couple but yeah i mean it's it's definitely like oh it's charming but not like (laughs) hilarious right right, but streets of fire oh boy streets of fire can you imagine willem dafoe was great he was but i've got a suggestion for raven Scratch all, scratch off ticket. Raven Shattuck or something yeah, like Shattuck. that? There yeah, Shattuck. There you go. Uh, Little Richard. <laughs> wow. I just want Tom Cody. Woo! Um, I mean. We're going to fight with sledgehammers. Woo! That would change it drastically. <laughs> I'm not saying it would be any less fabulous, but. Uh... <laughs> well, let's give it a shot. Uh, but let's give the news a shot. we got to read out the news. <laughs> so anyway, like I said, it, this is a blast uh, organized in no particular order. Did you know that Jonathan Glazer's sci-fi film Under the Skin mm. is going to become a TV series? No. That's right. It's a television spinoff. Now, when okay. you watch that film, did you say to yourself, gosh, I really want to know more about why they are sucking the life out of humans and who the guy on the motorcycle is. No. (laughs) Did you care about any of that? No. Well, now you'll get to not care while we watch it for this show, probably. Uh, Who, who, uh, have they done any casting yet? No, we're really just at the development stage. Okay. I mean, I, I guess, 
uh, honestly, I mean, like anything. I'm just, I'm saying stuff, and it's like, duh, this is like for any production. It depends on the writing and the acting if it's going to be any good. Um, I love that movie. I think it is um, maybe not as well known as some like sci-fi films, or maybe not people don't hear about it as much. But I I think it's really great, and it's it's great how how understated it is, and and I like the mystery about it. So I don't know, does that translate well to a TV show? Like, are you you're probably gonna kind of take the mystery away, aren't you? Or or, or are these aliens gonna be like weird? And uh, is there gonna be more than what just her? You know? Yeah. You know, I, I almost think you have to do more than just her. And, and, like, you know, does she stay in one place? Is she able to stay hidden, you know, within sight? Or or is her, uh, is she going to be detected somehow and then she has to move? You know, like, what is her story? Is she going to have to change her story, change her identity, that sort of thing? <laughs> I don't know. You've already gone farther than I really care. Oh, Do you know okay. what I mean? Like, All yeah, right. it's just it's a movie that it, it doesn't. Here's my thing: it's a movie that works and operates around mystery and mm-hmm. and ambiguity, and not yes. because it couldn't explain these things for you. No, it's it because just chooses not to. The ambi- yes, the alienness of the character and the ambiguity of her experience is what makes it intriguing and eerie. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you could give an explanation. I'm sure that Jonathan Glazer knows he could answer the question. He, oh, I'm if sure you he said, well, what's all the thing in the in the in the fluid and the black stuff or whatever, he'd have an answer, but it doesn't matter. That's not what the movie's about. No. That's what happens. It's not what it's about. Right. <laughs> it is now. Now what it's about is what happens. Three seasons of Under the Skin. Uh, and it really gets under my skin. Wow. <laughs> Let me tell you. Uh Taika Waititi's gonna direct a Star Wars film. Heard about this. Yep, announced so, on May the 4th. Is Hitler going to be a force ghost? That's what I need to know. Nope, nope, no Hitler. No no Hitler, not having it. Oh. Uh, I don't know. Is is the Emperor like Star Wars Hitler? Like, does, does Star Wars already have a Hitler? Um, huh. You're going to make me do this, huh? I don't know, man. I just thought about it. Let's say that, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking forward to doing the show art tonight. <laughs> yes. The, Star Wars Hitler is em- the emperor. Mm-hmm. And then Darth Vader is Star Wars Rommel, let's say. A very okay, successful ge- German general, uh-huh. ge- general of the German army, okay. who, you know, is defending Germany, doesn't necessarily care about the conquest part, mm. and was very successful, but also like kind of screwed something up. You know, he just he he just lost a couple battles that he shouldn't have, and Hitler's basically like, you know, you can commit suicide or we'll have you killed. Like cool. he kind of he got screwed by by Hitler. Okay, I'm I imagine there are many people who got well. We know there are many people who got screwed by Hitler. Uh, that makes but, Jabba Mussolini. Yeah. Whoa, Mon Mothma's Churchill, and Luke Skywalker is. Audie Murphy, we got it. Let's just keep moving here. It's clearly already done. Uh, what else? Uh, D- Demolition Man 2 is in the works, according to Sylvester Stallone. Yes. Here's what we know. I heard Nothing. about this. So yeah, I, I know, I think right? he might be just sort of reading reading the room, reading the world, and delivering something, but uh, we'll see. Um, I would love to see a Demolition Man 2. Uh, uh, well, I'm, really? 
Well, I liked the first one, uh, but it's so weird and kind of silly. So I don't know. I, I, if it has a similar tone and they're able to tell an interesting story, then I would like to see it. But um, some I saw somebody like post about it and they were like, maybe we'll finally learn what the three seashells mean. <laughs> I don't care. Part of it is it's just funny, and I don't think they even necessarily know what the three seashells mean. You know, they they they, they just wanted something filler and funny. Um, Everybody thinks that it's so prescient to what's going on, right, in the world. And I think maybe guess what we're all clamoring for and missing in the world. Demolition Man. Toilet paper. Well, yeah, toilet paper. Yeah. So therefore. I know. Three seashells. Got the three seashells. Yeah, I know. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. And I've I've seen <laughs> posts as that the demo, demolition man is very similar to what we're experiencing right now with a pandemic. And and I, I see the connection. Um Do you think <laughs> do you think <laughs> do you think that uh you know my theory about how movies uh based on the songs are never good. What's Demolition Man's excuse? I don't know. Do they even play the song in the movie? No. Okay. No, I don't. In uh, fact, the guy that, so the guy that like directed it, I can't remember who wrote it, if it's the same guy, but the guy that directed it, that's like the only movie he's ever directed. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and I don't know if, huh. I mean, the movie wasn't like, it's a Stallone movie. It made money, but it wasn't like a huge success. And so I don't really know the story. That'd be a good um, craft of services, I guess. But like, he, I think he's just like, all right, ugh. I don't know if I really like that or not. So that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, you'd have to change it quite a bit because Stallone comes along and changes like a lot of things. So like their world would look different in a Demolition Man too. Oh, you're okay. So you're saying you want to explore. Th- so this is the opposite of Under the Skin in that. We really would want to dig into this. Well, I, I think you would have to, well, yeah, right? Course, course I mean, like, because I think swearing would be okay now. Like, having <laughs> oh, actual, <laughs> like... You're imagining... So we're going to go from uh, nobody can swear in this world or whatever to uh, just a rated X film. I, well, I wasn't going that far. <laughs> but I was just thinking of all the things that they couldn't do that now they, they probably could do. And, and would that change, like... How about this? How criminals interact or Here's whatnot. my pitch. Yeah. You've got a, a world that is now in chaos, probably, based on the destruction of their society by mm. John Spartan. Thanks. Right. But you've got a lot of people who aren't ready to dirty it up and have a rat burger. So somebody invents, let's say a Cocteau-like figure invents a, um, a rig, like a VR rig that you can wear that censors things that you don't want to see oh i so like you can go ahead you can go ahead and make your um you said it, it's another 10 year well still it's gonna be like 20 or 30 years in the future but right. you said it in the future of this world and you go ahead and make your r-rated maybe x-rated movie but at some point stallone has to put on the thing or maybe it's like an internal like brain chip and he gets mm. it turned on so everything he sees is just PG-13 from up till then. Yeah. Okay. So people are swearing at him, but it's like, you monkey farming donkey. Or something like right. That. Right. You, okay. And so, you play with the, the fun there. Right. And then at the end of the movie, you know, he finally shorts it out or whatever. And he tells the guy to go, you know, F a porcupine sure. or something. Right. When he blows him up. 
Well, and, and something else I want to know is, like, where are the characters now? Like, are, are Sloan and Sandra Bullock's character, are they still together? Or did they get together and it didn't work out? Well, and I mean, you well, know, clearly we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, right. So, I don't know. I think it could be. It has potential to be good. Whether or not it actually is, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yes. If it ever gets made. Yes, if it ever gets made and it's not just Stallone talking out of the other side of his mouth. Well, speaking of bringing things back from the dead. Oh, boy. That, uh, th- here's the thing. So I read a thing, and I don't think it's in our news here, but I'll just I'll fake it for you. Like, okay. Cord cutting continues apace in this first quarter of 2020. Cords are cut. All the cords are cut. Okay. More and more people are just like going to a la carte, going to streaming services. Traditional mm-hmm. cable is dead, yeah. dead, disco dead. Yeah, sure. And so the, the upside is access to a lot of stuff, um, you know, a proliferation of new material. Mm-hmm. The downside is a lot of that new material is just reworked old material and things that could, couldn't fight for a space at a traditional cable network or the tr- the uh, early streaming networks now are green lit because we need stuff. We need stuff to justify seven ninety nine a month. Right. So we've got this stupid, stupid idea of a Clarice series, you know, at CBS All Access, and the dumb, dumb idea of finally getting that Battlestar Galactica reboot off the ground. Wow. Okay. All right. It's going to be written and showrun by a guy named Michael Leslie. Okay. Who was, uh, he ran the uh, AMC show, The Little Drummer Girl, which I, I never um, saw, but I heard no. some good things about. Okay. And he wrote scripts for Macbeth and Assassin's Creed. So basically, mm. friend of Michael Fassbender's, I'm guessing? I guess. <laughs> well, wait wow. a minute. <gasps> wait a minute. Uh-oh. Where are we at with Fassbender? Would he do TV? He could be the new I, Gaius I, Baltar. I, yeah, I don't know that he and, would say And number no six would be like, hey, I'll pay you to have sex with me. Wow. Whoa. Oh, wow. Wow. And I know you hated Macbeth and everybody I, hates I, I Assassin's Creed. So this is going to be for you. I can't wait to peel your eyes open and make you watch this. Wow. <laughs> wow. Can't wait to be forced to watch it. So Speaking of Yay. being forced, well, forced, speaking of watching stuff, um, would you be open to rewatching the Battlestar Galactica? Maybe, I would. It's maybe, been a long time, so I would now, be open to doing it. Now more than ever. Now more than ever. Now, now more than ever. I still don't. Ah, you can catch me. <laughs> catch me some other time. Uh, uh, now more than ever. Now, now, now. Now more than ever. There be- you go. Beef. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, <laughs> just waste more time doing that. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, it, let's do. Uh, there's got a, there, of course, Battlestar Galactica podcast, but ours would be the most original. Mm-hmm. It would come at the right time mm. as people are ready to throw things at their TVs. Right. Over this Peacock show. <laughs> we could just wow. slide right in there. Right. There Rem- you go. Remember, remember the old times. <laughs> come home to the taste of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Stop, it's what's for dinner. Stop laughing. <laughs> okay. I'll keep doing it. All right. Uh, Sam Raimi, who is just all but going to do Doctor Strange 2 at this point, uh, has also teamed with the writers behind A Quiet Place to do a sci-fi thriller that is yet untitled for Sony Pictures. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we've got 
Sam Raimi, who I want all the news to be bad. I'm going to rifle through for some good news. Sam Raimi, who I don't respect anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, haven't for a long time. The writer's behind a movie that has literally no dialogue in it. <laughs> and Sony oh, Pictures. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Our powers combined to make cinematic garbage. Yay. I can't imagine this being all that good. Be any good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I'm gonna need your cool. comment on it. Regardless. Super cool. Uh, if it's, I like sci-fi stuff, but I. If it's the, a honestly, new Dark Man, I'm in. Otherwise, right, don't right, even. right. New Dark Man. Um. Uh. Uh. New. Um. What's it called? I'm. This is great pod. Uh. I can't remember what it's called. The um, funny thing is, you have you're looking at the handsomest movie encyclopedia the world has um, ever known well, you, you know the his his movies with bruce campbell why, why can't i think of them evil dead films evil dead films <laughs> or he bruce campbell's been in pretty much all of his movies bruce campbell was in dark man yeah so you but, could just be talking about any bruce movie campbell in it. yeah Things i don't know done. yeah um what do you think about celebrities doing stuff for charity what's their real goal here uh, well, I jeez. I are, hope the real goal is what to are they trying to, to accomplish? <laughs> That's what I hope. I hope it's not like to make themselves sound like they're good and they're not. Have you, so, have you heard that uh, Daniel Radcliffe and uh, amongst other stars like David Beckham, star number one, and can he read number two? Uh, will be reading the first Harry Potter book for charity. I think I did they see may, that. Might already be reading it when yeah. this story came out. Um, I mean, cool. I I, I think that this is a time What's where their real goal here. Wow, I I think that celebrities are, at least some of them, are are thinking about ways that they can give back. What they can they do during the pandemic? And yeah, Daniel Radcliffe is an actor, and he was in Harry Potter. So yeah, have him read the Harry Potter books. Yeah. Why the hell not? Yeah. Fans are probably like, oh, not the Order of the Phoenix. Okay, fine. <laughs> I mean, the first one. I don't. I don't know why David Beckham. We is all have doing like good memories of them, but you know, some are better than others, right? Of the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Yeah. No, of the books. Oh, of the books. I'm just guessing. I haven't seen the movies. Um. Books. Uh, Whatever. Wow. Um. Commitment to story, 100. percent Yeah, I mean, I, there are some <laughs> that I, I, I liked reading more than others just because I liked some of the storylines more than others. But I, you know, in general, I, I, I really enjoyed them while I read them. Um, I have tried to go back and reread and it has been difficult to do. I mean, it hasn't been a while since I've done it. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know how much, and I know there are so many fans out there who are rabid fans and who reread them regularly. Well, if you so. don't feel like reading them, you can hear a high-pitched voice read them to you. <laughs> At least the first one. This is the problem with this. And also doing, um, let's say, a C.S. Lewis movie series mm. is that they're not going to go through them all. There's no way you can get through them all. Well, yeah. Unless you want to do right. it until the next pandemic. And right, just, right, Oh, right. And we were already ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's going on here? It looks like Tom Cruise will be working with NASA for the first movie filmed in space. I heard about this. This seems so gimmicky, but... It seems wow. so cruisy-y, doesn't it? It does. It does. It's so Tom Cruise. It is. I, I gotta be. <laughs> Do I want to be the first movie star in space? 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So obviously the whole film's not going to be in space, but no. he wants to team with them to shoot, you know, gravity-like scenes. Right. Or Ad Astra-like scenes, but mm-hmm. actually in space. Actually in space. Which for me, this is just spectacle now, right? Because mm-hmm. when I watch Gravity, does, does Tom, Tom, Tommy, 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 has the suspension of disbelief, Tommy. Right, right, right. Has the suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Does he understand how that works? I know that Sandy Bullock isn't in space. Yeah, right. But I'm still like, oh my God, I hope she gets out of space. Right, right, right. Right? Yes. When I watch Tom Cruise in space and all the marketing tells me and he's on the Today Show talking about two things, how drugs are bad and <laughs> psychiatric drugs are bad and uh, they said he was a doctor and uh, and be filming his movie in space. When I go to see his space movie, I'll just be waiting for the space scenes. When the space scenes come, I'll go, wow, it really seems like he's in space. And then other stuff. You know right. what I mean? Like it's... It just it destroys the credibility of what he does. And I would compare this to his stunts too. Mm, if you're Jackie yeah. Chan and that's your whole thing and the the movie surrounding your amazing stunts is just a sort of a showcase. C level showcase. It's a C level you know, Hong Kong cop movie or whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we're gonna bust some guys for drugs. Mm. Great. Mm-hmm. Um that's fine. But like you're Tom Cruise and you're doing these like, well, I guess it's the same thing because nobody really cares about the message that's going to self-destruct and who, who the bad guys are this time. But it's just like, that's really him hanging on a plane. That's all you really care about, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, isn't there going to be like a, a challenge doing like sound stuff in space? <laughs> It'll be the first movie to ever get space sound right. Well, As in there true. won't be any. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> Don't get me silent running. I don't care. Um, <laughs> have you heard about a new... Th- okay, so let's see how far I can get on this story before I get really mad. Whoa. You know that Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt were set to appear, it might still come out somewhere, uh, in Jungle Cruise, the film Jungle Cruise. Yes. Based on the theme park ride. I don't know how they're going to do Disney it. Disney World, right. Yeah. Doesn't it, it reminds you of... Uh, doesn't it remind you of... Um, crap. Whoa. The what? African Queen. Oh, I, I guess he's dressed like Afri- Which... like Humphrey Bogart, the African Queen. Yeah, that's uh, that's on my uh, movie list. I haven't Is seen it? that. Yeah, a real pro Christian movie. Is it really? Yeah. Do you know that? No, I did not know that. Take off the list. Uh, <laughs> well, they're also set to appear in another film called Ball and Chain. It's a superhero film. About a married superhero couple. Who, that was it. That was it. That was as far as I could get. Well, it's about a married superhero couple who don't like each other, right? But they work together well as a team, and so they have to keep together. Now, here's my proposal. Yeah. Just make movies based on comic book characters with the storylines from the comic books. Not slavishly Zack Snyder, but make Uh a Winter Soldier, par example, that uses characters and elements from the Winter Soldier storyline, but is remixed to work for a film, to work for the story you want to tell, and work for the universe that you've got. These relationship superhero movies never work. Remember Super Ex-Girlfriend? No. Like Luke Wilson used to date Uma Thurman, and she's a superhero, but now she's going to like stalk him with her superpowers. Remember Hancock? Uh, it's on my list. Better not be. No, it's not. Uh, there is a superhero relationship sort of thing in that. That doesn't work. None of this works. Nobody cares. It's just lame superhero heroics combined with lame uh, relationship comedy. Mm-hmm. 
what what would what would a uh, Kate Beckinsale John Cusack movie be benefited by the fact that they had laser eyes? It wouldn't. Well, ball and chain. Okay, looking forward to it. As in, not really. Ball and chain will be clamping to your leg in 2022. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. Um, have you? You want to talk about the uh, community virtual table read thing? You seem to know more about that than I do. <laughs> Wow, uh, I don't have the notes in front of me. Um, Wing it. Well, they um, are getting together to do a table read reading uh, for ch- uh, proceeds to go to charity. They're asking people to donate to charity. Uh, and they got most of the cast uh, together. I believe it is a season five episode, and I can't remember what it's called now. But it's the one where they uh, go to Pierce's funeral. And uh, so, yeah, they got the entire cast, more or less. Uh, They even got Donald Glover. um, And I guess they didn't want Chevy Chase. So they kind of limited their their (laughs) number of episodes. I knew they they were going to have him, but I, wow, going to the Pierce's funeral one is kind of insult to injury. Right. <laughs> He's actually dead. Uh, right, right, right. Is that is that the one with um <laughs> Isn't that the one where uh, Britta's uh like talk about an ed- edible complex or whatever and the priest is like you're the worst. <laughs> um So that's yeah, that's isn't that the one where well, anyway. Yeah. Um okay. Wow. Yeah. Um just so- have this is okay. So remember like Joel McHale played Chevy Chase in a futile and stupid gesture the um Doug Kenny movie, remember? Mm-hmm. Yes. So why not just? I know he can't do that because he's playing Jeff Winger in the read, obviously. But right. why not just get, you know, who who would you get to play Chevy Chase? Alec Baldwin. Whoa. <laughs> no, no, no. Whoa. Um... Maybe. Wait a minute. Let's think about this. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, who? <laughs> what's you know, you get uh, Kate McKinnon. Wow. <laughs> I'm trying to think of somebody famous who does a lot of like impressions or plays a lot of people and doesn't, they don't resemble them in any way, but they do it anyway. And that'd be Dan Aykroyd. Um, Yeah. Uh, Andy Serkis. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, oh, Andy Serkis could nail it though. Right? Oh my God. And a little makeup. Yeah. We could get a Fletch era Chevy (laughs) Chase out of Andy Serkis. That's the best idea that I've ever heard. You're on fire today. Ah, thank you. Oh man, I want to see that now. <laughs> well, you could get a kind of a sneak peek glimpse at something like that uh, if you listen to the Darkest Timeline podcast slash YouTube show, where Ken Jong and Joel McHale sort of just kick things around. I I think it's stealth marketing for the release of Community on Netflix. Probably. But if you like those two and you like drop-ins from Gillian Jacobs, Danny Pudi, and people like that, uh, you can check that out. In their most recent episode, they had. Everybody. They had a Brady Bunch grid of everybody, including Jim Rash, creator Dan Harmon as well. No Chevy Chase, obviously. Were you able to check that out? I still haven't watched it. I don't have time. I was just curious. But I bet it's good. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of national treasure, we weren't. Speaking of Nick Cage. Speaking of Nick Cage. Blew it already. It's all good. I already blew it. It's all good. Uh, There's going to be a national treasure series uh, at Disney+. Plus. Yeah, so it's a TV show? Is that what it is? Okay, so yeah, I heard that Nick Cage may not be involved. It's problematic because he'll he'll be doing um, Joe Exotic at this point. Yeah, Yeah. and so 
good news, he's doing TV. Right. Which I've always said, give Nick Cage a a, sh- a show, a person of interest, give him a, a CBS procedural, but like a prestige one. Because yeah, at sure. this point, we know that those things are all, look, if you like them, fine. But they're kind of crapped out. Yeah. And people are excited about the leverage reboot. And it's like, it's going to be, imagine, take the USA budget and subtract 25%. And that's what the new leverage is going to be. <laughs> but what if we did like a 13 episode, you know, half season prestige series you know yeah. where Nicolas Cage is, is a like retired the, the lead FBI inspector. profiler and sure. you like, bring him back for one more case yeah he's gotta he's gotta uh he's gotta get the um the uh the Cracker Jacker <laughs> right sure this guy he he started stealing cars but he's escalated right like, sure I don't want to do that anymore <laughs> you know it's like no we need you we need you we need you you're crazy the right kind of crazy Right. No, I think that could be good. I'd watch that. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, um, I, I mean, okay. Nick, real talk. Nick Cage has done some stinkers. Oh. Um, and, but over the, the you years. You just saw Vampire's but, Kiss. But, but <laughs> most, I would say almost the, a large percentage of what he does is incredibly entertaining even if the rest of the film is maybe not so great. Yeah. And when he's good, he's really good. Yes. You know, and I really entertain, I, I really enjoy him. And I think he's like, that maybe he's, I mean, I know there, he has a lot of devoted fans, but I think maybe he's kind of underappreciated in some circles. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, he's got an Oscar, but right. like a lot of actors who, <laughs> Brie Larson has an Oscar. Um <laughs> Roberto yeah. Benigni has an Oscar. I know, I know. A lot of people who have Oscars, you know, never went on to do anything. And it's just, I know that he's, there's, or there was in the past, I'm not sure if it still is, there's a problem with him, you know, having to do movies for money that right. he didn't want to do necessarily. But at the same time, that's kind of like, when you win an Oscar, you kind of go, where do I go from here? Right. Where, where do I go from here? Um, <laughs> after you started your career doing weird movies, but also like, Movies that got you noticed and some prestige stuff. And then you got your Oscar. Where do I go from here? And the answer was knowing and next into left behind. Well, right. And a and bunch of movies whose titles I don't even know. Right. You've broken the seal. You are still Nick Cage. Yeah. But you've also just done crap. You don't have to worry about your reputation. And so do both, but do more better stuff. Right. But that's like, not how like Hollywood works, though. Right. Once you are a direct video guy, it's hard to get back on the train. And so I wish that they would... He could. How does um, how does uh Samuel Jackson get away with it? How does Anthony right. Hopkins get away with it? Right. How does Morgan Freeman get away with it? Mm. These guys do like prestige picks, and then they go off and do like crap. Or like the Unicorn Store for Samuel Jackson. The Unicorn Store. Wow, Brady Larson taking a hit in this uh, in this show. Well, let's move on. Um, okay. <laughs> Disneyland Shanghai is opening up again. Okay. Uh, I think this is okay news because th- they're a lot more on, uh, on top of their problem than, than we are. Well, they're further along in the the, the process too. or yeah. what have you. Yeah, okay. And uh, <laughs> they disappear you if you uh, uh, start coughing. Um, wow. And they're sold out. They're basically sold out. Okay. So, people, well, I guess that's good news. Yeah, and I, I predict that we're going to see something similar here if we haven't all killed each other. Uh, Tamora Morrison is going to appear as Boba Fett in season two of The Mandalorian. Thanks I... for the spoilers, everybody. Yeah, I know, right? I, I, I heard about this. I mean, the original voice actor, I think, is dead. 
Um, oh, okay. I think uh, the guy that played him, Jeremy, what's his name? I think is alive, but he's not going to play Boba Fett. So we've all just kind of landed on on this guy. It, well, when like or hate the prequels, the guy that played Jango Fett is the default Boba yeah, Fett actor. It, it's that he voiced actor. him in Clone Wars. Right. He's the guy now. So this is good. This is like Continuity. synergy. Yeah, it's keeping it all together. Yeah. And you know, we all predicted it was going to happen, but we're going to get Boba Fett. So it, I'm sorry. What, did you say this was in season two, or did you say season, two. Se- season three? Okay. Season two. Okay. Um. So this is where I get confused. When I hear people talking about the Mandalorian, um, uh, so uh, I have heard that second season actually finished. Uh, they they wrapped. They finished their the um their you know uh, filming in in early March. Uh, so I guess we're just kind of getting this now. I don't know why they decided to put this out now. Maybe because of May the Fourth. They're like, here's a tidbit for you, uh, but. We've also heard rumor that um, Rosario Dawson is going to, what is the character's name? Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka Tano is going to play Ahsoka Tano in season two. Yeah. And she has said, oh, that's not confirmed. Oh, blah, blah, blah. She hasn't confirmed it. And she's like, I'm waiting to hear if maybe that's true. How is that possible if it's already wrapped filming unless it's like just a small little thing that we haven't done yet? Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that you can film a lot of this in any order. Um, True. They probably film a lot of these in blocks. And so if she appears, it could be on a screen or it could be um, she's talking to some other character or Mando just walks into a room and he meets her and then leaves the room and doesn't see her anymore. You know, you can fit this in anyway. I, I suppose that's that's true. Okay. I want to know. clearing that up for me. I want Giancarlo Esposito to spill about what's happening if, when he comes back. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Because that's the most interesting thing to me. Um, all I heard is Darth Gus. Yeah, yeah, right. All I heard something that he said something in in an interview about like having like he broke the weapon that he was using at <laughs> least once or twice during the filming of all season two. All the news two. that's fit to cast. Yeah, I know. The world of entertainment. Well, from <laughs> uh, from the Mandalorian to Amanda Palmerian. Whoa. I don't know if you heard, hmm. but Amanda Palmer announced on her Patreon to her patrons yeah. that she is splitting up with Neil Gaiman. <gasps> what? Yeah, I know you're excited about that. <laughs> I am a horrible person. And um, I, I never... Well, I, the story's I, not over, but I, if you I, can react to that part, I guess. I... I, 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 I I'm not a huge fan of hers, so... <laughs> um, What's the name of her band again? Like, I actually really... Amanda Palmer and the something, adjective something, and it's like the goofy it, God, I can't remember what like it is, that. but I have one of their albums. Really? Uh, yeah, and so I, I guess I like her music, but I, I, I don't really get into her personally. Um, <laughs> and and I, I don't know, I just... I just never really liked them together. Maybe that makes me a horrible person. Um not that I'm like super excited that they're breaking up, but okay. Here's what, here's what matters. <sighs> hmm. The music good. The Dresden Dolls. The, yeah, the Dresden Dolls. Yeah. Oh, but that um, was more of a. That's not like her. Like she's got like an outfit now that she yeah. goes with. That was like her original. Yeah. Look. Um. And th- there's a the song that was on the radio of that was a coin operated boy, and I really liked that song. All right. Well, if it's a good song, great. You know, yeah. she can be a monster, but lots of. <laughs> 
Little Richard. <laughs> Little Richard's not a saint. Sure. Not to compare them. Well, anyway, no. here's the real story. Okay. Um, a few hours after that, on Neil Gaiman's Goodreads, uh oh, he updated it to say that Neil Gaiman is reading Splitting: Protecting Yourself While Divorcing Someone with Borderline or Narcissistic Personality Disorder <gasps> by Randy Krieger and Bill Eddy. Whoa! Then a few hours later, whoa, Neil Gaiman. A few hours later, he came to his Goodreads blog and said that he had been hacked. And he said, "Whoa, someone with a dark sense of humor just hacked this account." What? <laughs> I don't know what to believe here. I'm, I'm scandalized. Um, well, I mean, you know, first of all, knowing what you know about Amanda Palmer. Uh, her announcing this to people on Patreon, like this whole thing is a car wreck, right? Yes. It's not even a train wreck. It's a car wreck. Now, ready for this? Rumor. Rumor. Mm. Okay? Okay. But I rumor. Take things as a rumor. Don't change your behavior until you have examined it for yourself. But if you are looking for a thread to pull on, some of my friends in the publishing industry say that he is not good with publishing professionals, with publicists, people who are female. Oh. Okay. In a Asimovian style, let's say. People don't know that about Isaac Asimov either. Uh, just well, that is, that is saying not good. Yeah, and I'm just saying. Not good. And I'm not saying don't buy the next book. I'm not saying don't read his blog or see him on a live stream or whatever. But I'm just saying if you are worried about that kind of stuff and you keep your ear to the ground and you want to know that you're supporting good people, do your due diligence. Now, <sighs> here's the problem. You're not going to find anything because I looked and it's it's tough to find. So like I said, could just be a rumor. And like I'm not saying get the pitchforks out and let's start hunting witches. But if you want to know, because I didn't know anything about the Isaac Asimov stuff until I went one molecule of a layer of dirt below the surface and it's everywhere. Everybody right. knows about right. it. Right. Right. Just so, nobody says anything about it. Right. So I'm just right. saying. Uh, that's, I, I know it's a rumor, but that's upsetting um, because I, I, I really do enjoy Neil Gaiman's work. Well, of course you and, do. And it's very enjoyable. And, and I think that he. I was writing about boobs. Well, yeah, but I was, <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I was, I'm not saying the signs have always been there. I was going to say, the signs have always I been think there. that he overall portrays female characters rather well and, and yeah, he complexly. Names them, he names them Dor. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that's depressing. Well, there you go. Wow. <laughs> well, speaking of comic books. Uh, San Diego Comic Con, Comic Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con has announced San Diego Comic Con at home, a digital version, an at home version of their event that will be streamed this summer. Okay. No lines, badges for all, and personalized snacks. Wonka, Wonka, Wonka. How, what? Okay. What is badges for all mean? Does that? How does this going to work? Like, does this mean you don't have to? pay anything to go to uh panels and stuff like that because if that's the case then i'm definitely gonna check it out 
I mean, I make myself sound like a cheapskate. Well, but... you're going to have to dig into the announcement on your own because in the deadline article, they didn't mention any uh, price. But as we already know, you can charge for stuff like this. You can charge to it for exclusive streams. Yeah. And San Diego Comic-Con is a not-for-profit, but they don't. They have costs. Of course they do. And so... I guess I would be surprised if The it was fact free. that it's not called the free Comic-Con at home right, makes right, me right. think there might be a nominal fee. Okay, well, well, I might still look into it right. and just see what it. Well, let us know how about. it is. Okay. And our last story, just to lighten things up a little bit, sound ring, ring the bell. We talked about the 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 great losses at the beginning of this show, but maybe the greatest loss of all is Soup Plantation. <laughs> Soup Plantation closing its doors for good. Oh no, not Soup Plantation! <laughs> I don't know that I've actually ever been to one. Uh, but, uh, and well, I was going to say, enjoy the name, but, uh, it's, 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 it's a complicated <laughs> it's still, relationship. It's mostly a, uh, if they're based in San Diego, but they're mostly, uh, in the American South, uh, and okay. there's probably a couple in California. Um, but yeah, it's soup plantation. Probably a bad idea. To be, to name yourself Soup Plantation? Yeah. The, I yeah. never even knew about this place until uh, <laughs> until they did a bit about it on Party Down. Where right. Supercrackers. Ken Marino wanted to start Supercrackers. Yeah. yeah. And then Kevin Hart's like, it's a bad name for a restaurant. Uh, how'd you like it if I had a restaurant called Super Angry, Angry Black Man? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But uh, no more, no more uh, California, Southern California-based buffets for... First, first fans of Soup Plantation. <laughs> Single tier. Do we do we go forward or do we just end it? Because <laughs> because we're we're kind of long. This is supposed to be a news blast. Uh, yeah. I got bits on Soup Plantation. If yeah. you want to, do I, I know you do. Soup Plantation bits. Um, that is totally your call. If you want to do Soup Plantation bits, I'm gonna go to Soup Plantation. <laughs> is that a bad idea? Mm. It's not a good idea for a restaurant business. <laughs> what I, I don't know where it's going. Come home to Soup Plantation, <laughs> where you could satisfy your hunger and your white guilt. <laughs> soup Plantation. The worlds can be one together. Cosmos without hatred. Cartoonapalooza. Yes. That's a horrible name. And now it's the title of this show. Okay. Because we can't do Soup Plantation. No. Now we'll no. kick it around and see what we come up with. <laughs> you um, have Soup Plantation and yeah. then have like a picture of the Emperor as Hitler. That just, that's just too much. Too much. Don't you Thanks think? Thanks for the uh, pitch. I accept. <laughs> Well, Rick and Morty came back recently. As far as I know, speaking of too much, it no. was well. Let's we'll save it. Uh, as, as far as I know, it was supposed to come back. I think a little earlier, and was oh. just sort of pushed back a little bit, but okay. not much. It was always planned to take a break around Christmas when they did uh, Rattlestar Rick Lactica, and which was just that was, yeah. Um, and now we're back with episode six of the fourth season, the Never Ricking Morty. Yes, which. You get now. Yeah, never-ending story. Although nobody yeah. rides a dragon. No. Um, how do you feel about Rick and Morty season four so far? Uh, I, I Here's mean, what's I think happened. It's, yeah. It's opened with 
the Edge of Tomorrow thing. Then we did the one where Rick has a toilet that he doesn't want anybody to use. Yep. And then we did um, You Son of a Bitch, I'm In. Then we did the one yes. with the with the dragon, the pervert dragon. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. And then we did the one with the snakes. Remind me of the snake one again. I don't really remember it myself, so oh, bad okay. question. Okay. Sorry. Uh um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's fine. I think it, it's, um, you know, doing what Rick and Morty does best. I don't know. Uh, you know, like just, I think it's riffing on a whole bunch of things. Um, I read somewhere. So the toilet thing, I read somewhere that that was actually an idea Dan Harmon had for community for Jeff to like be embarrassed about going to the bathroom somewhere or something like that. And like they kicked it around and it just didn't work out. So that's interesting to know that he that was his idea or something. I have felt and I don't know if I'm right. I have felt like Dan Harmon, who has a Robert De Niro show now. He has a Robert De Niro show. Was it a De Niro? And um... I have no idea. No, not De Niro. I was thinking of Bad Grandpa. Um, I can't remember who the male actor is, but it's an Aubrey Plaza show about raising the Antichrist oh, or whatever. Yes. He's got Aubrey that. Aubrey Plaza and, and who, who he's is He's got his, it doesn't matter. He's okay. got Danny DeVito. He's got his uh, same person. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Same person. They put one of us in the hospital, you put two of theirs in the morning. That was, <laughs> Sean Connery said that line. Never mind. Uh, I blanked on my De Niro. It's uh, so good. One day, <laughs> one day a real rain's gonna come and wash the trash off of these streets, <laughs> and I don't want that because I'm the trash man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I felt like he's not in the show anymore. Like he's not involved. I think you've said that. And now you yeah. just told me that that was his pitch. I don't know if you wrote it or not. Right. I know right, he's right. voicing a lot more. He's on every episode now, and he does multiple roles, which is fine. I don't know if it's a money-saving thing. I don't know if it's his just him wanting to perform. He's a performer to perform more. Sure. But I felt like, especially something like Claw and Hoarder, the fourth episode, I felt like some of these are real... I feel like they're detached and somebody's kind of doing Rick and Morty. Like I haven't seen uh, Justin Roiland's new animated show, which uses the same animation style. I've seen pictures of it. I haven't seen it, but I can imagine it being Rick and Morty light. And I felt like a lot of these episodes have felt like, let's get a crazy premise. Like we're going to make fun of heist movies. Right. And then it doesn't, we're losing the kind of emotional through, uh, through, uh, th- thread that has always been part of Rick and Morty. I I, I see. What and I don't you're mean saying. to like aggrandize something that doesn't deserve it, but I just I felt like a lot of them have just been you know by the numbers Rick and Morty. Like maybe also, like a, a decent one off, but there there's no like through line of like no how these like can... like if I took if I gave you a template that said Rick says something sciency, Morty says something apprehensive. Joke, you know, off-color joke about racism or sexism or something. Alien that looks like blank, blank explodes. Then you could just Mad Lib it and you'd have a Rick and Morty episode. That's what I mean. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. And the show isn't necessarily evolving. Plus, they have another mm-hmm. another six and a half years to go. Yeah. So just knowing how self-conscious and how, um, how uh, what was, what's, what's the word? We don't have self confidence. Um, uh, 
self-conscious. A lack of self-confidence. Yeah. Okay. Whatever, whatever word that is. Yeah, I've been right. hitting the head a lot. Uh, it just that, that, that Dan Harmon is, um, you know, this is where you start freaking out. Except we get an episode called The Never Ricking Morty where they take every possible plot line and every thread that the show could explore over the next six and a half years and just ruin and trash them all. Like we can't even go to any of these now. Well, that's true. Right? Yeah. Like it Right. It's a it's it's a it's a story that literally attacks not only the premise of the entire series, but the premise of TV storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right. every time we do like people don't like say um I don't know, Meow Meow Beans as much as like paintball or chicken fingers. But I felt like Meow Meow Beans, even if it didn't deliver like the specific laughs, I felt like that was Dan Harmon stretching to top himself. Yeah. He's always trying to top himself. Where can you, after you literally attack the premise of how you create stories and Jesus Christ saves everyone at the end. Right. Amazing. Shouldn't that have been the last episode? Where do you go after this? Yeah. And it's almost like he's Cortez. Like he's just burning all the ships and going, we're not going back. We're never, ever going back. The only way forward is to subjugate and destroy the Aztec population. (laughs) That's not a great example, I guess. But Uh. you know what I mean? It's almost like he's just challenging himself to go, yeah, we could have done an evil Morty thing. Yeah, we could have brought evil Mr. Uh, Poopy Butthole back. Right. Yeah, we could have uh, done this with this. But he just did all those in little stuff. I mean, yeah, the show could still explore those, I guess. But he basically just went, where you're expecting it to go? Does it look like this? We're not doing that. Yeah, and, and I mean, I guess you could say that's their way of subverting people's expectations. Don't use that phrase. Uh, but, um, but I think you you bring up a good point. Like, where do you actually go from here? And I mean, I know the show is uh, ridiculous in a lot of ways, and you know, I mean, practically tops itself. Yeah, and aspirationally, which is the different, the opposite of practically aspirationally. You can always, he trusts himself. It's literally a show about multiple, you know, alternate universes and sci-fi. You can literally do whatever. But also practically, this is a world where you're going to have to come up with another 65 of these, right? Mm -hmm. And even like Community Season 6, it's like, let's go on a road trip in an RV. It's like, oh, that sounds like you're kind of running out of ideas. Yeah, right. Right. And what are they going to do? I, I don't know. And they have six more seasons. Is that right? Well, they they made a deal yeah. last in, in the third season for seven more for 70 episodes. That's crazy to me. So all right, so are the, there there's 10 in yes. each season. OK. And this was six. This was six. Yeah. So we're past the midpoint for just this season. Yes. I I. Uh... I, I don't know. I mean, I guess one of the, the, the benefits of, of doing a cartoon series is it's all animated. So you're not like limited by like like sets or what we can do with makeup or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, it, it's a huge sandbox. But makeup? What? Um, I, I'm just talking about like you don't have to worry about practical things with like. Um, actual like like gotta worry about Clancy Brown's fee. Yeah, sure. Of course, make that Clancy Brown money. (laughs) That's right. Uh, yeah. So it's just like slow clap. I always love watching him self-immolate, 
<laughs> but at the same time, it's like, how long can you keep doing this, man? Maybe he's just doing it. Maybe he doesn't, I'm not saying he doesn't care, but maybe he just knows. It's like Eric Kripke doing Supernatural, right? He took it to five right. and was like, my name's on the show. I'm going to cash the checks still, but I want to do other things with my life. And Supernatural has continued and, and it has fans sure still, but pretty much yeah. people all kind of agree that the After... story of the show kind of ended at season five. Yeah. Maybe he's just trying to get the most he can out of it and then he'll just hammer the checks and go off and do other stuff. I don't know why. I, look, maybe it's the fact that his writing isn't just, oh, a boy meets a girl and something nice happens. Maybe the fact that his writing and his public persona is all caught up in us watching him go, this is really tough to do, guys. Now watch me nail it. And he lands it. Right. But I find whenever I talk about Rick and Morty, I find myself talking about him more than I should the show. And I don't know if that's how being a creator works. Mm, yeah. People see the Seasting Chapel and they're like, pretty great, but like, what kind of shades does Michelangelo have on? Oh, man, they're so cool. <laughs> yeah, pr- uh, but it's it's hard, isn't it? To like kind of like, um, you know, get get a separation from, from the art and it the It is artist. when you have, well, he doesn't have his podcast anymore, which I felt like, I don't know. His podcast was like... Sure, it was a scandal machine. It was like a gaff machine. What can yeah. I get in trouble for this week? Right. But <clears throat> it was still like, you know, he has a desire to express himself. And I think he has, you know, a little bit of a desire to be at the center of the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But him, him canceling it was like good and bad because it was like, oh, good. Maybe he's like growing out of that. But also, I don't know. I enjoyed spending every week with him. Yeah, right. Um, and hearing him express himself <coughs> and everything. So... <coughs> Um, a little sip of water. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm just kind of like thinking. Do you think that they'll do a D and D episode of Rick and Morty at some point? And if so, like, would it be like they're like playing their actual characters or something like that? Like, or they're in a world where D and D is like real or something like that, and somebody else is like. Well, they did claw and harder this season. <laughs> they did. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the names of the dumb shows, but uh, the Morty one when they go on the fantasy adventure with the Schmeckles and the. True. Um, they've just kind of done that, right? I guess. All right. Even like interdimensional cable, which was huge, they begrudgingly kind of did a second one. And then yeah. basically to have just made, even in this episode, they've just made fun of the premise of doing like vignettes. Now they yeah. found a way to do it. This is interdimensional cable in a lot of ways. Like they found a way sure. to do a bunch of vignettes, but they're not doing cable. No. So he already did D&D in Community. Why would they do it in this? I don't know. Yeah. We accomplished nothing and we're done. So uh, <laughs> would you would you recommend it? Um, I would still recommend it. I don't know. I, I still want to see where he's going, uh, where the show's going. And, and, and you know, I, I hope they, you know, I still don't think it's predictable or anything like that. I, I hope it continues to be uh, creative and, and explore new things. But I hope that, like you mentioned, like I hope that the the heart and the um, emotions are still there. Thanks for wrapping it up. All right, let's talk about <laughs> Ghost in the Shell, colon, SAC underscore 2045. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. This is a show on Netflix, co-produced by Netflix, but also still produced by IG Production, the original owner of the Ghost in the Shell property in motion, essentially. I think they did the movies. 
Um, I know they did uh, Standalone Complex. Mm. They were also involved in the Ghost in the Shell reimagining that nobody asked for, Ghost in the Shell Arise, which was a series of three, I think, maybe four, three movies, uh, which also were on Netflix, but released elsewhere, where they kind of reimagined um, Section 9 and uh, the Major as a different thing. Mm-hmm. But forget all that, because 2045 exists in the SAC uh, continuity. Sure. This is a sequel to Standalone Complex, Seasons 1 and 2. Okay, I see. SAC is Standalone Complex. That yes. took me a, And now a the while. listeners know as well. Yeah. What happens, what's what's the breakdown of Ghost in the Shell? Uh, the the I, the premise of Ghost in the Shell? How'd they get that ghost in there? I mean, it can walk through walls, but <laughs> why would it stay inside of it? Uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's the future. Um, <laughs> barely. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, it's barely the future. Um, uh, I mean, do I need to explain who the major is and everything? Maybe, maybe, you know, people don't, people like ScarJo, but they don't see all their, mo- her movies necessarily. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um. Maybe they got confused and thought it was a Japanese lady that was playing that role. Wow. Um. Uh, they, okay, so all the characters that we know and love that are in Section 9, which is like a... No, no, you're going to summarize the show, and I don't want you to do that. Oh, okay. Mitoko Kusanagi is a major in the self-defense forces. She works for a government organization called Section 9, which is kind of like the CIA meets the FBI. They're a crack team that deals with cybercrime. That is, crimes that involve the internet, uh, cyborgs and the crimes that could be committed with those two things. Mm. And they've been through a lot of adventures. The canon, canonicity of their adventures is uncertain. It all started with a um, series of comics published by Kodansha, uh, by creator Shiro Masamune, Mm -hmm. uh, detailing their adventures. That was adapted into a uh, Mamoru Oshii film uh, in 1995 called Ghost in the Shell, which Mm -hmm. is a anime classic and inspired the Wachowskis to create the Matrix and many other people to do bad copies of that. Then a second (laughs) movie came out that nobody asked for, which is almost maybe better than the first one. It's as good as the first one called Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence, which continues the story of the movie continuity. Now forget all that because Production IG produced a show in the 2000s called Standalone Complex the idea mm-hmm. of which was to take the character of the major, take the plots of the original comic book and the movies as well, and expand them into um, two 20-something uh, episode seasons of an ongoing show that would delve deeper into uh, the lives of the characters in Section 9, also would feature more of the characters in Section 9. The mm-hmm. movies and the comics focus mostly on uh, the major, on Togusa and Bateau. Mm-hmm. Right, her two um, compatriots, and that was very successful. SAC was, in spite of itself, very good and very well accepted, and very much uh, honoring the tone of what was originally uh, planned by Shiro. Yes. How many seasons was it? It was like two. Okay. Because there's like 26 episodes. Okay. Or something like that, and like a movie or something. So it was yeah. like 50 something episodes. Yeah. Okay. Then they made Rise, which was just trying to. Here's the problem because. In the late 80s, 87, 89, 89 is when uh, Ghost in the Shell comic came out and it was set in like 2019, the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they always had this problem where they have to get ahead of the future wave, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think Arise was an an attempt to do that. Um, They made the major younger for some reason. Um, They retold the story of her meeting the characters from Section 9. 
uh, instead of just being like an army person who's due to her skills was selected to be in a unit or lead a unit. She was like a hacker who was on her own, who kind of finds her way into the unit. Anyway, it doesn't matter because it doesn't count anymore. So as 2045 starts, we've got ghost in the shell colon SAC underscore 2045 in the year 2045. Yeah. Right. Now the world of ghost in the shell has always been a chaotic one as People and governments and societies have to deal with the changes that technology brings into mm. society. Mm -hmm. But this has a sort of pointed kind of attack. Um, in 2045, it's a su several years after a world digital disaster has happened, which right. has basically um, crashed all the banks and kind of reset everything. Um, and so governments are kind of reeling from this and populations um, have been changed and affected by it. Mm -hmm. I should mention that there's there's two planned seasons of 12 episodes each. Oh, okay. We only watched the first two episodes. We're yes. going to talk about it. It's presented in a 3D computer animation style that I would describe as cel-shaded, 3D cel-shaded. Okay. And we pick up with the major and her buds uh, from Section 9 now yeah. operating as uh, mercenaries, I, I assume. Yeah, I guess. Uh, for the powers that be to quell the unrest and riots that have happened from people basically reacting to their lives being um, over, overturned and, yeah, and, right. and uh, torn apart. Mm -hmm. And so there are pockets of like you know, well-to-do rich people living in cities. Mm -hmm. And then there are like wastelands that kind of separate those. And that's where the, the bandits kind of roam. It's right. kind of like post-apocalyptic a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, I mean, I don't know where to go after that. What do you think? What'd you think? Uh, what did I think? Yeah. Uh, I didn't think it was very good. Oh, um, you didn't like the, the, Kicking song that opens it up. Uh, what is up with that song? That's <laughs> what I want to know. Money makes the world go around. I know. Uh, hey, really? Make sure you put the nose on her last as you're building the robot. Right. It, it, sequence open or the show opens with a sequence where we see um, the Matoko cyborg being built. Yeah. This is de rigueur for the series in all its forms. Yeah. But it's a lot different than we've seen before. Again, trying to I think get ahead of you know, advances in technology. Sure. Um, and it's, you know, Westworld much? It's very Westworld. It's very Westworld. We see the skeleton being 3D printed and then a white goop, you know, that goes over it that becomes the right. skin. And, and the white goop is put on with like this machine that it, it, it's, it's, it's very spherical, but it has like... Circular. It's circular. And it has um, all these like porous things like pouring the goo on. It's very Westworld. Yeah. Yeah, Didn't and of like course, uh, we have to have a butt shot in the yeah. beginning because it's Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, uh, there's so, there's some know. things that they're really uh, it doesn't open with two helicopters flying over a city like many. And I don't know where that comes from or why they do that, but uh, maybe it's the two riders uh, of the Bob Dylan song <laughs> all along the Watchtower. I, I don't signaling know. the apocalypse. I don't know, but yeah, uh, we keep the uh, voyeuristic elements. Uh, and she's uh, still keeping the one-piece lowrider jeans combo alive. Yeah, great, right, right, <laughs> For some right. reason. <laughs> you can uh, wear, you're a robot, but they can wear anything they want. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you're going to wear a one-piece and lowrider. Uh-huh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I'm sure we'll get to this, but uh, I think you agree. Um, the 
anime quality is not great. No, it looks like an Xbox 360 cutscene. And I don't know why. I'm not sure why they decided to even go with this style of animation. Almost all Netflix anime is uh, is computer. Oh, is that right? Yeah, the one with the dragon and the last prince or whatever. And oh, I suppose. I guess I don't know how they do. She was a little more uh, traditional. I'm sure it's done in or on a computer though. Um, But yeah, they just went. Let's do 3D animation like this was 1995. Yeah, I don't. Is this even popular? They even anymore? taunt us because the like the end the end sequence yeah is features animated. A, an animated Matoko. It's like oh, you could have just done that. Yeah, I I don't know why they didn't do that. And then also I think incredibly infuriating. I, I think this is just this just makes it worse. Um, their 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 words aren't synced up very well with how their mouths are moving. Their mouths barely move as it is. Yeah, and. And it's like, that's like, I know that's such a big thing about animation, but we're watching it in the original Japanese with subtitles. It's not like you are, we're watching the dub and I don't even know if this is dubbed, but um, it's not like we're watching a, a dubbed version of an anime and the words don't quite match. And I feel like even with, with that, they, they try really hard to kind of come up with some sort of cadence or you know something so it, it they made matches. a big they made a big deal out of the fact that this came out uh i think like a week maybe two weeks ago uh two weeks ago and the english dub was only available recently it was delayed because of the COVID 19 oh okay so and the only reason i think that that would even be a story is because it was probably animated for their mouths to like talk in english right oh you think so yeah so people would oh, be like so why don't i have to watch it in problem. japanese and it looks bad i'm i'm just guessing i don't know okay okay well because this was this is co-produced it, it's production ig but they hired some 3d animation firm to, to that's do it that's so weird to me that's just i'm sorry but that, i feel like that's backwards because y- you watch and an anime is japanese so they animate it for the japanese that just that makes sense to me. I it's hard for me to wrap around Not anymore, doing baby. It the other way. Yeah, okay. Um Woo. Yeah. Okay. Um, I let me tell you why I hate it. Please. It Ghost in the Shell has <laughs> I, I don't think Ghost in the Shell is unsophisticated generally. It's always been political commentary. Right. But it's never been Picking a side necessarily, because the whole point of the Section 9 people is that they are not confronted with moral quandaries. They just do their job. Right. Now, after they do it, they might go, it's pretty messed up. It's pretty messed up. Now, this is why I drink, you know, but they have to, but they just do their job. And so like the original uh, manga, you know, in, in the first episode, they go and um, raid a... Um, basically like a what they call a ghost dubbing facility it's a it's a real orphanage that's a state-run orphanage that's run horribly like it makes you know oliver twist look like disneyland Mm -hmm. but the dark secret is that they take the orphans and they dub their ghosts so basically your ghost is you know you it's like the digital print of you someone say it's a soul but who knows and if you copy it it's like a you know a digital copy of you they do that and then they sell the copies 
to implement in like as cheap AI. Like you can take a child's right. brain and you get it to run a mining machine or whatever. And so they go in and like save the kids. But at one point the kid's like, how could you like take so long to do this? Or, you know, is kind of mad at them. And she's just like, we didn't have the orders. We couldn't go in until now. And by the way, you know, if you, you think you can just get a handout for free, a meal from the state, you know, if you want to make something out of yourself, you got to do it yourself. And the kid's like, what are you talking? I'm wearing a potato sack. Uh, how am I going to do that? She's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Zzz, it takes off. Right. Like they just don't, that's not what it's about for them. Um, there's an awesome story where um, they are, um, so she's, section nine is like a thing that was assembled to do like what I said, to solve cyber crimes. Right. But before that, she was in like a special forces group and they were hunting terrorists. And there's this one terrorist that like, they killed all those people, but they never got him. And mm-hmm. then he basically like, makes a ploy to try to kill all of them like now that they're in section nine. Right. And so there's like a political aspect of like, well, should we capture this guy because he's connected to people or like he's operating like in Japan? Like, you know, can we act against him? And she eventually finds him and just blows his brains out. <laughs> right. And Bateau, who's kind of the bleeding heart of the team, is like, you okay? She's like, yep, I got him. And he just kind of helps her limp off because her arm and her leg have been blown off. Mm-hmm. They don't even think about the consequences because it's just like, no, like, you come for me, you better not miss because I'm going to kill you. Right, right. And as uh, Standalone Complex went on, it became a little more complicated because since we got to know Paz and Boma and, like, all the side characters, it be- they became more of a family and she became connected to them. Yeah. There's an awesome episode where I think it's it's Paz. Paz is, like, um, he's not modified. He's like Togusa. He's a fairly human. Sure. But he's sort of their like face, like their infiltrator. And a guy shows up who was like from a rival from his past who has gotten like plastic surgery to look like him. And he wants to like Weird. kill him and replace him. Oh, that's and so over the course all. of the episode, they finally like f- pin this guy down and pauses like, I got to take care of this and goes in there. And like one guy comes out and she's like, are you the real pause? And he's like, do you even have to ask me that? And she's like, if he does the job, it doesn't matter. Wow. So we don't so know. So we don't know. No. Yeah. That's, wow. Let me tell you what this show's about. The 99% and the 1%. Oh. <sighs> yeah. I actually kind of wonder what Japan thinks about the Occupy Wall Street movement and thinks about the kind of current protests and reactions to late stage capitalism. Mm. In, in the West and in, in Europe, too. I mean, Europe is the West, I suppose. Mm. Um, what do you think about that? Because they sold their souls to rock and roll. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's how they kind of got out of right. the, the post-World you know World War II yeah. depression was yeah. just by going, all right, we're doing this now. Yeah. And they had their own struggles with it uh, continue, in the 90s. And yeah, in the early 2000s and even now. Yeah. And I always wonder, like, what they think about that. Now... I guess they're writing this or a Japanese person is writing this, but it's almost like they watched a documentary or a YouTube video about economic inequality and decided to make a show. And I'm not sure. And we can't rate this. We only watched the first two episodes. We can't fairly rate this. Mm. This could just be a setup. But so far, I don't like it. No, I know. Because it immediately establishes that they are working for the elite one percent there's even like there's a character called the good one percenter which right. is an oxymoron that yeah, doesn't yeah, exist yeah, yeah. but it, but he, and he's giving weapons to the people the 99 percent yeah. yeah and the bandits are all people who who have 
gained financial freedom because their debt has been erased, but somehow right. that's not good enough for them. So they put on Fortnite costumes and they're going around like becoming terrorists and stuff like that. I know. And and they're just presented as like completely unredeemable. And you've got all of our characters who themselves are like mercenaries for rich people now who are like, screw these idiots. Why don't they make something out of their lives? And I know that I said that that worked in 1989, but it's a bit different proposition now. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a totally different proposition. And so yeah. the, the polit- they're trying to get political and it's so tone deaf. Now, again, this could be a setup for they realize as the series goes on that they're fighting for the wrong side. But still... That just puts them in a position where they have to pick a side and it's a polemic and they were never supposed to be that. They're just go where they just do. They they just go where the monkey man tells them. Right. Yeah. And I just feel like it just it shows. I know we have to evolve this property, but I feel like it shows a complete lack of understanding of what Ghost in the Shell ever was. Well, what I want to understand is why did they feel the need to do this? Why did they feel the need to to do to do this a, at all to a, bring this back yeah to do, to do a reboot of well it's not really a reboot to do a continuation of the story did they feel like they had a story to tell no this is how it starts okay we need content right I let's know. let's do a Battlestar Galactica reboot let's do a Clarice show I know what do we got let's do Ghost in the Shell I know. That's played out. That's a 40-year-old property, nearly. Uh, what's hot right now? What's hot? What's hot? E- economic yeah. inequality. Right. Uh, endless sustainable war. All that uh, Hideo Kojima stuff. Let's do that. And that's, I, so I that's just, what we got. I, I, I'm... And for a thing that's about war, it's why is it completely bloodless violence? It's like G.I. Joe. Everybody's parachuting yeah. out of their helicopters and stuff like that. Like, literally no, no one dies. Or anything. They're attacked by, like, 30 guys with guns and grenade launchers, and, like, literally none of them die. Yeah. Saito, like, is is bombed, and they're like, is he alive? Well, like he's, let's he's hope a he hero. Is. He's not going to die. I mean, like, right, but spraying, still. spraying gray on all the idiots that try to kill these guys, that's, like, a hallmark of the series, you know? Yeah, I know. I, I'm just frustrated because... I feel like if you're going to reboot a series, if if you are, are are going to do something like this, then you should have a reason to do it. You should you should have a story that you really really want to tell. You know, you should have more things that you want to explore with the characters. Um, and you, you know, you should have somewhere to go. And I just don't know. Like you said, like is this really? I mean, is this Ghost in the Shell? Is that what I'm watching? It is because, you know, Kusanagi's in it and Bateau and Togus is in it. Here's something else. Yeah. So, he- having Section 9, Section 9 is always in danger of being disbanded. Right. And so, having it be disbanded and then the show starts and we go, let's get the band back together is both good and bad. Because it, they're, they're acknowledging that it was always like a politically dangerous kind of football section nine, but they got the job done. So having them actually disband off screen makes sense, but like, let's get the band back together again. Why not make it section Q or something? Or why does it have to be the exact same thing that it was? Yeah. In fact, you would not want to call it the same thing because in the comics it's disbanded because somebody frames Kusanagi for something. And then she, or no, she's yeah. No, she, she shoots some, but she shoots a terrorist. The terrorist turns out to be like the son of, uh, a cabinet member or something like that. I mean, not okay. her fault. The guy was going to kill her. Right, right, right. And so she, in order to escape being railroaded by the government and, and governmental um, 
opponents of Aramaki, you know, the mm. boss, mm-hmm. uh, she has to basically like take hostages and like <laughs> to this whole terrible like public situation where she is very publicly like her head gets blown off by Saito, mm-hmm. but her brain was somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. So they fake her death and she's out of section nine. That's right. in the comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So having like them, I don't know, but it just it's just like let's just change it like nothing ever happened. You know, it's dumb. So they've got Togusa, right? Mm-hmm. They get rid of his mullet. I understand. We're always chasing the future, right? <laughs> right. But they have him like he's he's a cop again or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they <laughs> there's just like elements. I don't know. Like He goes and busts a cyber criminal and he's like, well, I've got my trusty gun. It's never let me down. And it's like a nine millimeter automatic. He always carried a revolver. Right. That was the point. He right. was... Literally, he he is a metaphor. He is the one person in the group that doesn't have robot limbs mm-hmm. because he's the guy who's supposed to keep them straight. And it extends to him not even wanting – the metaphor extends to him wanting a reliable revolver gun instead of an automatic that's more advanced because right. he's afraid it's, it's going to jam. He probably likes vinyl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and so we're right. picking up the story in 2045, maybe you know, almost 10 years down the line. And there's one thing – there's one – I was thinking like, oh, his kids are probably growing up by now. There's one line where he's talking to Aramaki and he's like, I bet you'd say that it was a good idea to choose my career over my marriage. Does yeah. that mean he's divorced? Are they saying he's divorced? He, he they, they said that in the first episode. Oh, okay. I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. He's divorced. Uh, well, again, so, yeah. that just seems like a way to sort of free the character of entanglement so we can go where we want. But I like the idea that there's a flesh and blood guy fighting cyborgs who has a kid at home. Right, right, right. That was right. always an interesting and, and, thing about him. Yeah, right. Ah! <laughs> um, can I ask you something? Yes. Why are the bad guys dressed by f- like football players? I don't. To make them, first of all, I, I literally think it might have to do with Fortnite because that's what people uh, in Fortnite look like. Wow. They're like they're treating this like a game, you know. It's this this war is a game to them. It also makes them seem juvenile in comparison to like the badass One Piece swimsuited right <laughs> heroes of the show, I suppose. And um, it also make makes them decidedly American, doesn't it? Yes, and and I think I I noticed that with this um this series and and I don't know why they're pushing the Americanness so much. Because this, this is series. a Japanese slash American production. Th- that's the only thing I can think of. We gotta get our but, jam hands on it. But but yeah, but here's the thing. None of the other iterations of Ghost in the Shell have that. And we we liked those. And those were decidedly Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Why, You've never been able to take the Japanese out of this show. So, so why change that? Why shove it down our throats? Because it doesn't why matter. Why have them? Because they don't be in Palm Springs, California. They don't know what made it good. They never did, and so here we are. Well, yeah, and and, and then the bad guys are football players, and then the prime minister of Japan. And they've got a wacky like, black guy on the team. Now. I, I know. And then the prime minister of Japan is like was born in America. Was born in America is at least part American. Yes, and is pushing an American agenda in Japan. Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, we get. I came it. to the show for future problems, not like what what's going on right now. Well, problems that too. Yeah. I like yeah. that they called him a puppet with no awareness that the puppet master is a huge figure in in the show in the past. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I hate that the. 
I mean, look, here's your setup, right? Mm. Section 9, or at least the members, former members of Section 9, have to stop these guys from shooting a missile into, uh, you know, one of the um, Logan's Run rich people compounds or whatever. And they fail to do that, and that's the inciting incident. I get that that's the inciting incident, but you spend an entire two episodes showing us that they are fighting against a bunch of scrubs in football helmets who have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. And they are destined to fail because we have to get this series going. You make our guys look like idiots. Right. Why not start it off with, because it starts off with three title cards, which is not out of character for the series, but is not a good sign. Mm -hmm. Started off with an incident in Palm Springs. Yeah, why do we have to see the whole thing? Yeah, and we can just drop our our guys in. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Another thing... I didn't really like is like here are these characters that that we know and, and love and care about and are are cool and, and are badasses and and just you know kick everybody's butts and they didn't really have them do anything cool. The second episode was from I what I think was just objectively better than the first, but in terms of action was a little better than the first. There was some good action yeah. in the second episode. Yeah, um, and. Maybe because it was dark, the animation didn't bother me quite as much. (laughs) But the fact that we're following characters who are super militaristic and already a little fash, by which I mean fascist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're in a position to let you comment on what it is you want to comment on. And again, maybe we're judging it too soon and they will do this, but... They're in a position where they can be the people who are like, well, we work for the things, but should we be sympathizing with the Blas? And they don't really. In fact, Bateau literally says to one of the guys who's, you know, an economic gorilla, basically, you want to blow it up? Haven't you considered that you might live beyond the wall someday? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, you just made Bateau a poster boy for capitalism. (laughs) Why do you want to tax the millionaires? What happens when you're a millionaire? You you want them to take your money? No. And the lie is... You're never going to be a millionaire. No, of course not. Why would Jeff Bezos would ever let you be a millionaire? No, no. Yeah. So it's just so, it's so tone deaf. And again, again, didn't have time to watch the entire show. And it definitely seems that it's structured in a chapter format. These aren't standalone <laughs> episodes. No, yeah, So maybe in, in eight more hours, I'll be eating my words because, you know, they really realized that they, they were lost and they got it turned around and right. they're on the right side. But... The commentary is, is so tone deaf. I, I agree. It's it, it's not great. It's it's not really saying something we haven't heard before. It's I I just I I'm frustrated because I, I I'm not really sure what I mean. I guess I know what they were trying to say, but I I just why say it with these characters. Because um, this is the show that they're making. I know, I know. Um, also, uh, Aramaki tells Togusa to go round up the major and the other six members of Section 9. And I'm like, um, let's see here. Uh, the major, Bateau, Paz, Saito, Boma, Ishikawa. That's six right there. And then uh-huh. Togusa is. So are they counting clown? Was he part of Section 9 before it disbanded? Or do you not know how many people were in Section 9? Yeah. Case closed. Yeah. Pull the plug on this. You're irrelevant. The vast, the net vast, (laughs) the net is vast and infinite. Yeah. uh, And your show is is shallow. Well, I think they were making a point that that, that Clown, who 
incidentally that that's the name if you haven't watched it yet audience that's the name of the the new character who's a black guy well his name is stan but yeah they call but him they clown. call him clown uh they make it very clear that he's brand new. Like he hasn't even met the major yet. So I don't think he was in section nine. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if that means he's going to be in section nine. But He'll take time to objectify her. Uh, He'll definitely do that. Yeah, I know. Right. Cause we need that Wait till she rips his head off. Yep. Yep. Would you recommend this? No, I don't know why I needed a pause. We're so long and uh, we're so far into just the existence of this as a franchise now. It's not going to matter. Like, if you've never heard of this, this won't sway you, I don't think. Eh, maybe it will. Um, and if you are a fan of Ghost in the Shell, you're going to force yourself to watch this, whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. I absolutely did not want to continue after the end of the first uh, episode. Yep. At the end of the second episode, I was like, I could try. I could Maybe Give doing another shot. one or two. Okay. Because at least the story is running now, and hopefully they will <laughs> well, try to true. pay off all those elements that they so clumsily introduced. But yeah. why can't why can't we just stop? No more. No more. Right. Let's we're not we're do good. anymore. We did it. Yeah. We did it, everybody. You had ScarJo and beat Takeshi, and you still kind of screwed it up. Right. Maybe this property should just End. take a rest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or be totally reinvented. What if we go another another hundred years forward? You get a maybe a pitch from a Shiro, but he's not involved day to day. They kind of did this in the Ghost in the Shell two um, comic sequel. We go another hundred years forward, and it's the fallout and the effects of what the next level of cyber braining is and, mm. and whatever, and you know you get a, a Fuchikoma like analog. Um, but it's not the major, or it could be one of the major's children. Um, slight spoilers for uh, Ghost in the Shell Two, uh, but no Beto. You just we just totally rewrite this thing. Okay, sure. Prove that the universe is strong enough to support you know more stuff here, mm-hmm. but it's, it's you know. yeah. Um, Tachi Comas were still cool. Um, I, I love too the fact that like whatever the licensing thing that made them happen to change in the Tachi Comas is still in effect. Oh, Maybe they're really? just continuing to do it because that's just what this in the standalone universe that they are. But yeah, they're Fuchikomas, but they sold that TM to like somebody for to develop a toy or a video game or something, and they can't get it back. So oh now they had to make Tachikomas. Yeah, I had forgotten that. I think I think I knew that at one point. Um, what does Fuchikoma and Tachikoma mean? Oh wow, you're putting me on the spot here. I don't know. Uh, we have a show called Sailor Noob where we talk about Japanese culture, and she yeah. translates all the words. But not today. Uh, not today. I don't know them on the spot, though. Um, uh, I I don't know. I'll have to look them up. Um, what see. would Momo Kocha mean? Co- <laughs> what? I'm trying to think of the three Japanese words I know. Uh, what What would What would uh, Nico uh, coma mean? You mean neko coma? Neko. Yeah, neko yeah. is cat. So so different than what I said. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> that's a that's a fuchikoma that shoots uh, neko wafers. <laughs> I like it. So that's our show. Uh, we did it. Another blast. 
from the news cannon. Yes. Uh, brings us home. Uh, hopefully uh, you are feeling good where you are and still taking care of business, mm-hmm. TCB, mm-hmm. every day. Uh, if you want to let us know how you're doing, find us on social media. Just Enough Trope on Facebook and Twitter. Also join our Discord where we chat about all sorts of things related to pop culture. There's got to be, man, there's got to be some new realm of pop culture we haven't mined yet. Uh, sure. I don't know what that is. Podcasts? I don't know. Do uh, we talk we about... Are, we are a podcast. I know, but we, we talk about other podcasts? No. Why do I throw to you? <laughs> Pogs. Pogs? Pop culture uh, brining. You know, you can brine all wow. kinds of pop culture things. Uh, we can pickle that. <laughs> okay. See, that's one not what I was doing, but all right. you did find a pop culture touchstone and you I, brought it back. I, I did. Well, if you want more of this tired dog and pony show, follow us on social media. Also, get to us on those listening platforms of your own personal choice. And speaking of things that we have run out of uh, 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 road, uh, miles, distance on, many times been hit in the head. Uh, (laughs) Really, it's still scars. I've been hit in the head a lot. Uh, We're iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, uh, Castbox, Castbox, Podcast Addict. Um, uh, uh, Stuncil. What, what is Ramrod. iTunes Music called now? I iTunes Music. Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Apple Apple Pod Flaps. Yes, we're on all of them. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Search for just enough trope, or any. Uh, actually, if you search for just enough trope, you may get some many of the shows on the Just Enough Trope Network. Mm-hmm. Shows like backtracking. Shows like enterprising individuals. Yep. And Sailor Noob and Crafted mm-hmm. Services. And I'd say and more, <laughs> but uh, stay tuned. Watch this space uh, for more. And you can find us there. When you find us, any one of those shows, subscribe to the show. Mm-hmm. Let it come to you. Don't go looking for it. Also, give us a rating and a review. It would really help us out. Say something nice if the spirit moves you and give us a rating. That's how the computers in the cyber brains know that we yes. are doing a good job yeah. and that we love the one percenters Whoa. and we'll always be there to defend them uh, the good one percenters right the good one percenters yeah so give us five <laughs> football helmets which is two less than you'd need to outfit the heads of all the members of section nine with football helmets why don't they know how many people are in section nine i don't know yeah, give us uh, five stars instead, or seven if it's possible. We'd appreciate it. <laughs> we'll be back in the future to talk about more pop culture stuff. Yep. And until then, we're signing off. I'm your host, Caliban. I'm your co-host, Mikan Hana. Keep the geek fires burning. Right on.